This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Welcome to the Flying Solo Podcast, a show for those going it alone in business. I'm your host, Robert Gerrish. Flying Solo is an Australian online community and home to stacks of free resources, discussion forums, professional development tools, and a whole lot more. Find us at flyingsolo.com.au or join us on Facebook. Elizabeth Formosa runs Fashion Equipped, a business based in Melbourne that informs, encourages and supports independent designers and fashion startups. She's worked both in the corporate and private sectors across the buying, product management and business management areas and has owned and run her own wholesale fashion business. Today, Elizabeth has a team of specialists that can assist in all aspects of starting or growing a fashion business, and many of them come together at her popular two-day workshops, the next of which runs in mid-April. More details a little later in this podcast. Hello, Elizabeth. Thank you so much for joining us. Hello, Robert. How are you? Look, I'm quite well, thank you. And, uh, and, and I'm pretty sure you're pretty damn busy. It seems that fashion business is uh, something of a hot topic at the moment. Yes, they certainly are, Robert. The uh, the demand is, is certainly increased over uh, recent times, and mm. we have lots of people reaching out for help. So, why is it? Why why this? Why does everybody suddenly seem to want to start a fashion business? What's going on? Oh, look, I think it's an industry that just attracts a, a diverse group of people. We've got clients coming from um, all different industries, lots of them without a fashion background, but they've always had a passion for fashion. Um, in one respect or another, and they're at a stage of life where, you know, they're ready, their entrepreneurial spirit's coming through, and they're ready mm. to go out on their own. Well, um, but tell me, uh, I mean, I spoke uh, recently to uh, a fabulous guy, we were talking about starting a cafe, and uh, and he has a not, not uh, dissimilar model to your own, where he supports people that want to do this and runs courses. And he was saying that um, one of the things that, um, that that kind of bugs him a fair bit is you get a whole lot of people that uh, have got the passion but really just kind of haven't thought it through. They look at it in the cafe side as being a sort of an easy, in inverted commas, business, which it certainly isn't. Do you find, is the same sort of thing happening in your industry? You're getting people that are, a, the passion is a little bit more of a kind of a dreamy type state? Look, yes, it certainly happens. You know, quite often um, we'll have people approach us and, you know, they're creatives and they're very, very focused on the creative side. So their number one focus has been perhaps developing an idea into a product, but they're not, they don't have the vision to think that through to taking that product to market. So where they come undone a little bit is, you know, the lack of uh, business planning, for mm-hmm. example. Yep. They don't have that strategic direction in place. And they're actually not sure where to start, to start to put those pieces together. Mm. Um, so, you know, and a lack of understanding of the sourcing and supply chain area. So it's really just giving them a little bit of direction and assistance in those key areas to ensure that they have done their research before investing in stock um, and perhaps having a warehouse or a spare room full of products that they can't sell. Mm. And so are you finding then that the, the majority of people coming to you are 
designers that want to create their their own ranges or are they people that is that are looking at sort of online and thinking okay well i just paid 200 for a dress and i know i can buy one of those from china for two dollars you know who's who's coming to you who are the main people Look, the three main demographics are um, definitely people from other industries who have a, you know, who are entrepreneurs. So they do look at the fashion industry and think, okay, um, you know, this is a major opportunity. There's a huge markup. I can make a whole lot of money out of this. And they start to just think about, you know, um, probably that it's a real simple, uh, the simplicity of that kind of model. Mm. I'll buy something, I'll mark it up and I'll sell it at a price. But unfortunately, um, it's an extremely competitive environment, so they don't really have that insight to know what they're getting into. So those people coming from other industries just need an insight or an education mm. as to what is actually happening on the fashion landscape at the moment. And that, that's where a number of people then come come to you, obviously. And do you do you find that, I mean, typically if you've got, I don't know, 10 inquiries coming to you, are you finding that there's a... Seven out of ten of those have need to go back to the drawing board, or what? What are the what? What are the sort of? I mean, is it possible yeah, to? Absolutely, I would say seven out of ten. We do have to go back a few mm. steps, okay, um, and start to put a solid foundation in place. Look, those who've had an education in fashion, there's different dynamics and different needs um, for every client. So, those who have a fashion background, you know, we're at a different starting point, of course. Mm. Um, those who've been working for others in fashion. We have a lot of clients who've been working for others, but starting your hot, your own small business is a totally different um, game. So there's different a different focus of education depending on the needs. But what everybody needs to do is to get back to the business planning and the foundation of that and think about their strengths and what their role in the business is going to be. If they are a fashion designer, obviously that's going to be their core function in the business. If they are uh, good at marketing, they may have a marketing background but no product development knowledge. Mm. So what we do is look at that business owner, look at their core strengths, look at their industry expertise or, or what career they've had so far that they can look at, you know, what have I done in the past and how does that apply to my fashion business mm. going forward? And then we start to support them with resources who are going to help them have a well-rounded strategy in place. Mm. That might mean bringing a fashion designer into their business or bringing a pattern maker in or helping them find a source of supply locally or offshore. Mm. Okay. So you're saying then that, that um, so the, the, the figure I pulled out of the air was just coincidentally quite reasonable, it seems, that 7 out of 10 of those people do need to sort of go back and and uh, and and do a bit more kind of research, which I guess is you know probably not a an unreasonable statistic across a lot of businesses these days. And what sort of percentage of businesses are looking to actually set up in a in a retail environment versus those that are just doing it online? Oh, look, mo the majority the majority of clients online is their number one priority. Um, but what we start to do is we start to think that through. We think about okay. How far can the online model take them, say, in the first you know, year or two years of business based on their objectives, you know, based on their top-level business objectives and financial objectives? And quite often we find that they do need you know, um, a multi-strategy when it comes to distribution. So mm. initially they may think online, but then we start to talk through the wholesale opportunities. 
you know, what would the business look like if you actually had a wholesale strategy in place? What would the business look mm. like if you started to collaborate um, perhaps with other people in the industry so that you could have a vertical retail model in place? There's lots of co-ops and lots of pop-up stores that, you know, definitely that offline collaboration um, to be able to, you know, have a bricks and mortar um, component of your business uh, is definitely something to consider. Mm. Not to say that online alone can't be successful. It can but it's a longer-term strategy, that's for sure. Okay, that's interesting. So what you're actually doing a lot of the times is is opening people's eyes to possibility as opposed to closing them down, which Absolutely. is yeah, which is interesting because, it, you know, I know that you're uh, have, are pretty active in our forums and uh, I know it's a, it, I think you, you mentioned to me that there's a, a question you answered a number of years ago that you're, that you're still getting responses from so you know clearly it, it is a it, it's it's a very hot topic but it seems to me that some of the questions that I've observed in there are, are people that seemingly really just have got an idea but just got no idea where to start so for your workshops that you run do you do you have people that do come in in that sort of state where it's just an idea and then literally you just kind of explode their mind and their thinking onto all the all the possibilities. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Mm. Look, a lot of our a lot of our attendees are at the ideas phase. Right. Um, and they come to that two day event really to, you know, gain insight as to what lays ahead because the diversity of the attendees, you know, everyone's at different stages. So mm. if you are at that idea phase, it's great to sit back and listen to other people's experiences. Mm. So they get to hear the challenges um, that startups are facing at different stages of mm. their launch. So that alone is extremely valuable. Um, but we also, we have a lot of structure in that two days. So essentially yeah. we are moving the attendees through the channels of starting up a fashion business and talking about every single pillar of the business, mm. from the business planning to the sourcing and supply chain to the sales and distribution strategy to the marketing. So we're moving through all of those phases and then we bring in industry experts um, sure. to talk about those topics as well. So that just reinforces that particular topic, mm. gives um, a lot of you know self-managed tools as well because obviously at the startup phase, you know, you're not going to go out and employ a digital marketing agency. There's going to be certain things that you would need to manage yourself for mm. a certain period of time. But if you're not, you know, if you don't have a solid understanding of social media, for example, that's one of the hottest topics. And we run a lot of workshops just focused on social media for fashion alone yep. because it is so important. You know, if you're someone who doesn't even use social media in your personal life, mm -hmm. it's very difficult then to think about how you can use that strategically in your business. Of course. So, so let, me, let me ask you also, if I may, just to cut you off there, what, what do you observe as, as some of the, the sort of classic mistakes that are being made? You know, you look around at a number of businesses, number of startups, people that have yeah. maybe been going for a little while. What are some of the things that you observe that are just being kind of missed? Oh, look, I think that, you know, when um, when a startup is working in isolation and they're kind of, you know, very, very focused on their idea, often they don't get to talk about that idea publicly and really bounce those ideas off others. So they're working in isolation, they get very, very excited and they move forward and they might even move forward to the point where they've actually purchased something. So they've invested in inventory, but they haven't thought it through any further than that. Mm. They haven't thought about, okay, I think this is a good idea, but what does the rest of the market think? 
you know, who's my target consumer? Who are yeah. my competitors? Um, how am I actually going to cut through in this space? So I think the vision is mm. a little bit, you know, it goes so far, but they're not sure how to get to the next stage. Okay, so that's and isolation, kind of working in a bit of a bubble, seeing, absolute, seeing the world just through their own lens. Mm, and okay. I think just the opportunity to talk those ideas through with someone who yep. has basically been in the industry and gone before them, that's extremely valuable because mm. um, it's basically an insight into the future. Yeah. Do you, do you recommend that people that are starting out, particularly those maybe that have come from, as you say, corporate side or come from a, you know, an, an employee job but nothing to do with fashion, yes. is, it, is it recommended that they go and spend some time working in fashion? I mean, is that, it strikes me that's often a great way to get a bit of a grounding and some knowledge. Look, ideally, ideally that would be, you know, that would be fantastic. But if you don't have a fashion background, it's often hard then to gain um, a position in fashion. Mm. You know, look, if you can get a job at retail, fantastic, because you're working at the coalface. So I always recommend if you want to start a women's wear label, then try and, you know, if you can get a position working in a retail store, Mm. that is servicing that demographic, then there's nothing more valuable than that because you are Absolutely. getting that information from the coalface. Yeah. But if you're, you know, if you're coming from, you know, corporate finance wanting to transition into fashion, sometimes it's hard to get those roles. <laughs> yes. So I well, can't imagine a corporate finance resume being being snapped up by David James particularly. <laughs> okay, so let's go back to looking at some of those sort of classic mistakes. So isolation is one of them, this sense of kind of working very much in a bubble. What else do you yeah. observe? Oh, look, lots of people really struggle when it comes to finding a credible source of supply. So I'll find that, you know, a lot of people will come to me and they've already had a very, very bad experience when it comes to sourcing. So they might have already started to develop their product locally um, here in Australia and then they get to a certain point where they've poured thousands of dollars into the development but they realise that once they've got that far, that particular product doesn't actually translate to a commercial retail price Mm. here in Australia. So they're paying too much for the goods, so their cost of goods is high, their margin is very, very low, and they're still not being able to achieve a competitive retail price. Mm. So that happens very, very often when it comes to the local sourcing model. So um, doing that research before you start investing is critical Mm. and then a similar situation offshore but usually with offshore so they're going to China or India or the like um, often the problems come in where where it's quality based Mm. so they may be purchasing something and it looks fantastic through their online transactions but when the product arrives here in Australia, mm. the quality's just not there. So the source get a better of price. So many times, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So then it starts to come undone. So having a sourcing strategy in place, understanding what you want before you start liaising with mm. a supply is critical. Yeah. Because every day, probably the number one question I get when I receive an email or a phone call inquiry is, Elizabeth, can you help me find a supplier? Mm. And of course I can. But as a business owner, what are you looking for from that Mm. supplier? What kind of quality, what kind of price, what kind of units are you looking to purchase? So there's a lot involved and, you know, especially going offshore, if you don't have the expertise in importing, that's another area of education Mm. um, that you need to focus on or you need to engage someone who has that experience. And is that, that, and I know this is quite possibly a a service that that you offer indeed through your business, but I'd like to just look kind of beyond that. Is this, is the uh, having somebody to help with that 
supply chain issue is it are there a lot of people on the ground locally now that startups can talk to to get advice it's not a matter of they don't have to jump on a plane and go to china or india anymore look unfortunately um support for startups is not readily available because okay. a lot of the manufacturers you know they want the big orders so mm, they don't want the risk one of, yeah so one of my missions in life over the last few years in the fashion equipped journey has been to try and find resources that will support a business owner at the startup phase. Mm. So someone who, you know, will work with a designer who only wants to source small units. They might only want to source, you know, 50 to 100 units of something, which is very, very difficult to find if you go direct to China or direct to India. It's very yep. difficult. So it's better, in my opinion, it's um, in the long term, it's more cost effective to pay a little bit more at the start for a resource locally who can support you especially in that six to 12 month um, phase of just starting up, you know, your source of supply relationship. Mm. So we have a manufacturer here um, and, and my business is all about, you know, uh, linking the business owners with key resources. So yep. we, we refer our clients on to credible resources. Mm. So we've built a relationship with a local manufacturer who owns their own factory in China. Right. So at least you've got someone on the ground here yep. in Australia. And you've got someone you can go back to if, if the standard Ab isn't what you want. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, you've got that layer of support, that mm. layer of security. Um, and certainly they are supporting you and educating you along the way, yep. you know, during that startup phase, which is invaluable. Of course. You know, those learnings will take you long into the future. Okay, so we've looked at isolation, we've looked at um, poor or sort of problematic supply chain. And, and I can see, for, again, from a number of the discussions in our forums, this is an issue for people. And yeah. there's so many posts in there where people have said exactly what, what you were just talking about, where, you know, I, I got some samples, they were gorgeous, so I ordered 5,000 copies and they're rubbish yeah. sort of stuff. So clearly a big one there. What else do you observe? Is there, is there, are there other particular mistakes that are like the classics, if you like? Yes, look, I would just like, I would like to have everybody focus on the sales and distribution strategy before they even start, before they spend any money on product development, before they buy, you know, anything online, I would like them to focus on a very, very strategic sales and distribution plan. You know, thinking through, okay, well, number one might be online. I'm going to have my online, um, you know, channel. And then from a wholesale point of view, you know, start to think about the stockers that would be interested in your product. You know, simply make a list. You might look at the comp your competitors and say, okay, well, they're in those 100 retail stores. How many of those would actually consider my product and why? Mm. And start to list them, start to visit them, actually go into the stores. You know, quite often um, we have business owners who are doing a lot of online research but not physically going out to retail, and that's really important. Oh, I look, I, I think this is, this is um, true in so many businesses, not just fashion, is that yeah. it's too easy to just look at online just focus on online and miss the absolute gold that exists by going back into some of the um, you know slightly more uh, established older models of business and learning you know it's a huge opportunity absolutely absolutely and mm. you'll find you know walking into a retail store you'll often find that the store manager is you know quite willing to have a chat you know they'll be very supportive if you're a startup they're you know happy to hear about you know your vision and tell you a bit about their experience so mm. 
just you know having that connection is really important and observing the customers as well you know the demographic Absolutely. who's shopping in that store what are they buying mm. you know what other brands are in that business and where are the gaps for you so Fantastic. a bit of pounding the pavement right? yes, important. Okay. so um, let me uh, another question i'd like to ask you is what's your when you're you're talking there about um, you know, online or having this your your sales and distribution strategy. What's your opinion? I, and again, I, I asked a similar question um, a couple of weeks ago when I was um, talking about cafes, and we looked at uh, the role of markets. And I guess um, in the term in terms of fashion, they would have quite a place to play potentially. And then also Etsy and eBay. What do you, could you bundle those three up together for me? Look, markets are really important. You'll find a lot of emerging designers at markets. Um, you know, it's a complement to your distribution strategy. It's certainly not the be-all and end-all, but it's something that um, really helps you to reach your target consumer if you're choosing the right market. So, you know, if you're in vintage fashion, make sure you're at the Rose Street market or the like. So it's doing the research to make sure you're, at, you're in the right place. Um, to reach your target consumer but it's certainly a great way to get direct feedback from mm. the market uh, from, from your consumer um, and it's definitely a good way to build your database and you know gain some loyalty too from the community so markets are definitely important yeah it's kind of a low cost fairly low risk financial yeah. trial isn't it just to really yeah. have a look at your business and we have the same sort of um, suggestions coming out with cafes it can be from ken ken bergen it can be a similar thing to for cafe or food is to get going in markets what do you what so what's your view of etsy and ebay is, is setting up yeah. little stores there Look, depending on your positioning, depending on the, you know, your desired brand positioning um, in the market, you know, obviously Etsy with beautiful handmade and creative products um, is certainly you know, a big opportunity to reach that demographic. Uh, with eBay, we see you know, major fashion brands with a presence on eBay. So again, it's part of your distribution strategy. I don't see it being the be-all and end-all, but depending on the positioning um, that you are looking to achieve in the marketplace. But certainly, you know, certainly they need to be considered. Hmm. Okay. And um, I'm going to move us towards the close a little bit. What's your, what's your view of the future? Is this, is this a wonderful time to be getting going in a fashion business? Look, I think, you know, we're competing in a global, global market now. You know, the retail landscape has certainly changed um, and consumers have access to more choices than they have ever before. Mm. You know, we've obviously got lots of um, global retailers coming into our market. You know, it's an extremely competitive market, which you have to be prepared for. But I think, you know, like other industries, there will always be opportunities in fashion. You know, there's a lot of talented entrepreneurs out there, but often they're not sure how to bring their ideas to life. So finding your niche is key, finding mm. your unique point of difference. You know, why you, what do you have to offer the market? And not everybody wants to expand on a global scale. There are a lot of successful local fashion businesses out there and they kind of fly under the radar, but they're making a very good living in mm. this sector. So absolutely opportunities out there. Yeah, okay. So good opportunities, also a lot of competition. So it's not a walk in the yeah. park, but then not many small businesses are. So I think exactly. that's very... Exactly. Now, a short moment ago, you were talking about the importance of, of uh, having people who've kind of uh, been there and done that um, in their lives. So one of the benefits you mentioned about going into existing sort of retail um, shops is that you can talk to people who've kind of been there, done that and, and gained a lot from them. So what about if we look back at, uh, at your own career, who's been a, an influence to you that, that uh, you know, has kind of impacted the way that you run your business and your life? 
Well, there's been lots of people. I've been uh, very fortunate to have had several mentors over my career um, who've really encouraged me to make life-changing choices. Mm. So on that point, it's really taught me the importance of mentorship. So one of my first experiences was a store manager that I worked for in retail at the age of 17 who showed you know, a belief in me and my ability to progress with my career. And he really encouraged me to um, transition out of retail and go into buying. So he encouraged me to apply Mm. for a role in head office and I was successful in getting that, um, which really kicked off an exciting long-term career for me in the fashion industry. You know, first I was in retail for ages and then within 12 months, I was travelling the world as a trainee buyer. Mm. And within a few years, I was the buyer of a portfolio that was valued at over $30 million. Mm. So reflecting back on that, you know, and other key people who've really cared enough to take an interest in me and invest in my development, um, I now really realise the benefit of having mentors in your life. And they, I guess, appear in many different different ways mm. um, depending on our personal journey. So not so, necessarily officially appointed mentors in no, your case, but people that looking back at it, you can say, well, they had a mentoring role in my career. Absolutely. Mm. They could be a manager, they could be a colleague, you know, they could be someone outside of the workplace. So whoever they are, you know, building those relationships can be absolutely invaluable and they can be a game changer, Mm. you know, especially if you're connecting with people who have gone before you, you know, someone that you really admire, someone that you can learn from. Um, And I guess that's one of the key reasons that I'm now so passionate about mentoring others as I realise that, you know, sometimes without even knowing it, you're really making a huge difference in people's lives. Mm. Not just about their careers either or business, it's about their lives. Yeah. So, you know, I really feel lucky to be able to work with um, passionate creatives. Mm. So your, your answer to the question is a number of people as opposed to a person. That's right. Yeah, okay. That's well, right. Look, and yeah, that's, that's fantastic. And as you say, it, um, it sort of sits so well with, with how you run things yourself. And, and I totally agree with you that the... Um, having a mentor, whether that person is an official person or not, uh, is just so valuable. And the other point that you made, I thought that's, that was very interesting, is that uh, you mentioned that that people already in business will often share and will share very openly. And I'm still every day, I'm constantly surprised. I mean, I see it obviously in our community, but it's it's such a wonderful thing that and it's so it's something that so few people really tap into is the the wisdom of the crowd and because i think they have a belief that mm, people won't want to talk to me well actually they yeah. will that's Amazing. right okay we've, we've all been there we've all been at that startup phase and mm. i think you get to a certain point in life where you know you very become very focused about giving back yeah um you know and get a lot of enjoyment a lot of satisfaction about giving back and helping, you know, those who are just starting out. Mm, fantastic. Well, look, Elizabeth Formosa, thank you so much for spending time. We mentioned at the beginning that you have your two-day workshop, yeah. um, just, which is called Starting a Fashion Business. Your next one is running in Melbourne. Uh, helps people 18th, 18th, 18th and 19th, 19th of April, helping people make the dream a reality. If they'd like to find out more about that, head to fashionequipped.com.au and look for the links to workshop. And I believe that if they pop a little note in there, they might even flying seller members might get themselves a little bit of a discount. I think absolutely, right. absolutely, they will. Fantastic, Elizabeth. Thank you so much for spending your time with us uh, and with the flying seller community. Thank you. Thank you, Robert. Thank you so much. Thanks. And that's where we'll leave this show from Flying Solo. I'm Robert Gerrish, and we hope you'll join us next time. 
If you're looking to start a business or rejuvenate the one you're in, you'll find heaps of resources at flyingsolo.com.au and a supportive community on our forums and Facebook. Thanks for listening.